If what you're going to do or what you're going to consider is something that you would not be proud to have on a billboard that your mother would read when she went past the billboard, don't do it. And I certainly did not or would not have wanted my mother to read about what I was doing. But you know, when he said it, I didn't get it. Like I thought, oh, he's talking to somebody else, right? So I would say to people, there's a lot of challenges in business and there's a lot of ways to take shortcuts. There are a lot of ways to excuse behavior that you wouldn't do in your personal life. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Mike Malatesta. And wow, do we have a good one today. Mike has grown and sold two eight-figure businesses. And he recently published a book called Owner Shift, How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck. In the book, he shares his entrepreneurial story and the lessons he learned along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what are the four stages of the entrepreneurial journey? Really good stuff here. Why partnerships are often tricky to manage and why you need to look at your future as your own property. Mike has a wealth of success that we're going to learn from in this episode. So I really hope you get a lot out of it. Let's start talking with Mike. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Tyler. I've been looking forward to this and uh, hopefully I can provide some value to you and to your listeners today and have some fun doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure you can because you've got a couple really successful business exits, exiting your businesses. You've got some great journeys. You got a book, a podcast. So I've got so much to talk about today. Where I'd love to start with is what do you do right now? Well, a couple of months ago, I sold my second startup business. And, and so I'm an advisor to the new owner of that business. But I'm also spending a lot of time on my book launch right now. And of course, my podcast being, you know, my, my podcast, How Did It Happen? I've been doing that for about three years. I've got 220 some episodes out there, really great conversations. And I've been doing a lot of guest podcasting with wonderful people like you as well. So that's sort of what I'm headlong into at the moment. Yeah, that's a lot. Let's go to your business journeys. I know you mentioned just now you've exited your second business. Right. Can you kind of take us through maybe your first journey? And I know from reading your book, you, you've had a lot of really interesting experiences, personal growth, business growth. Yeah. Give us a little bit of like 30,000 foot of what got you here to got you there. Sure, sure. Well, a lot of times I go back to when I was four years old and sitting on a curb outside of my parents' house. But I'm going to skip that for you now in the interest of time. And if you want to go back to it, I'd be happy to. But I started driving a trash truck when I was in college in the summers. And between my junior and senior year, I got that job. I was 20 years old. And I just wanted to drive trucks. I had loved trucks my whole life. And that's what goes back to the four-year-old thing, Tyler. But so I got this job driving for a, for a trash company in Philadelphia. And I just, just really, I don't know if fell in love is the right thing, but I really enjoyed the business. I thought the people were great. I thought what, you know, what we were doing was, was good work. And I had fun doing it. And it was trucks. And I love trucks, the smell of them, the, the sound of them, the, the dust, like everything. So 
I asked the owner like for career advice. I mean, what should I do? And and um, the owner pointed me to larger companies and said you should apply with some of the big guys and you know get a management training job or a sales job or something like that. And I I thought, hmm, okay, well that sounded better than anything else I had planned at the time. So I did it, got hired, and the next five years was kind of you know I started as a management trainee and then I moved five times in four years and I just kept moving up and finally. I moved to Milwaukee. So from the, you know, I was in Philadelphia and I was in Detroit and then I was in New Jersey and then, you know, I was all over the place, but I ended up in Milwaukee and I was a divisional vice president at the time. And I thought, man, maybe one day I'll, you know, keep moving up. Maybe I'll be the CEO of this company. That would be phenomenal. And that's not what happened. Instead, I got fired from that job. And so I was um, uh, 26 years old. I was in a strange place because I had only been in Milwaukee for a, a short period of time and I didn't know what, what to do. And I tried getting another job and I only lasted 30 days there because the person, there was the guy that was my boss and his name was Don and he was just a real, I call him a dick. He was, that's just, <laughs> the, that's just what he was. He was just right. an unpleasant person and I just couldn't take it. And I felt like a real failure, you know, first I'd been fired and then and then I couldn't hack it, you know, on the next sort of recovery job. And I was really ashamed and I was kind of lost. And, um, and just out of the blue, a fellow that I had worked with before I got fired, his name was Butch Weiss. And he, he basically said, you know, Mike, if you want to start a business here, I would love to be a partner with you. And I was, you know, again, going back to the four-year-old thing, I think there was an entrepreneurial seed planted in me when I was four years old, but I hadn't done anything with it. And it was really dormant. And Butch came along and and he'd been a farmer all his life. And 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 I really feel like he, you know, watered or germinated or whatever that seed. So we started a business together when I was 26. And he was maybe 15 years older than than me. But fortunately, Tyler, over the course of the next 22 years, we were even though we had a lot of successes and a lot of like horrible failures, we were able to you know grow that business. And when we sold it in 2015, we were you know about a 45 million dollar revenue company with 150 you know team members, and we we had multiple locations throughout the Upper Midwest, and we were handling helping really helping manufacturers or factories with all kinds of waste problems that they have. And it was just a it was just a wonderful, wonderful ride that that you know got started by me getting fired and then by Don being such an unpleasant person and then Butch coming along. And yeah, so so we sold the business in 2015. And then a few years later, I was fortunate enough to start another one with a private equity partner this time. And um, similar business, similar uh, bot business model, but we were able to accelerate it this time and and we were you know, we did well and we were able to sell that business, like I said, a couple of months ago. And it was a really good outcome for everybody. And, you know, that's that's sort of my journey so far. There's more to be written about that, but or more to be created about that. We've got more futures to make my property, Tyler. Just to- <laughs> <laughs> so first company, it sounds like it evolved into a sale. You didn't necessarily go in probably thinking that you were going to sell it someday. Was the second one, was that strategic? I mean, was it like a 10-year plan along those lines or five, 10-year plan? I'm going to build it to this and get out? Yes. Uh, yeah. You're right on both On both. Uh, how you describe both of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned 
ups and downs. Obviously, selling is probably like the pinnacle of the feeling of creating something and and then someone seeing value in it and buying it. There's some downs in there. I know one of your downs was you actually went through a sentencing and and uh, got sentenced for something. Can you share that story? Because I think, I think what I find about you is you're so transparent. And it's not what I love about you is it's not just all about making the big dollar selling there in that journey. There were a lot of bumps. Yeah. It was kind of weird because, you know, like I said, I got fired from the job I thought maybe I'd be the CEO of. And I, and in some respects, I mean, I knew, I knew that there was, you know, reasons behind that. Like, you know, we had where I had worked previously before I came to Milwaukee, we had, we had done some things that we always kind of described as being uh, gray areas that weren't really black and white areas, but you can talk yourself into a lot of things. So as a, we had great, great people, I loved working there, but we were, we were taking shortcuts and not being truthful with everybody when it came to, for example, how we would describe samples of waste that we would pick up. We would describe them as being one thing when they were in fact something else. So later, you know, after I started the, the company with Butch, two or three years later. So, you know, you kind of put all that behind you, you know, you've got this fresh start and you've got this thing, you know, happening and you're moving, you're moving. And, and I get a call from the FBI one Sunday night while I was watching 60 Minutes. And um, I thought it was a joke. I, I just thought this is one of my friends like messing <laughs> with me or something, but it wasn't, it wasn't a joke. It was very serious. And they had, they had started an investigation into the company that I had worked for and that led to me and to a lot of other people ultimately you know getting charged and having to accept responsibility for what we what we were involved in and yeah and we were all you know convicted as well and you know that was that was the the outcome of doing things that um that I was raised you know better than you know to do but you know, one, everything in life is an experience that that you have an opportunity to learn from or you have an opportunity to just, you know, be angry about. And I was angry about it when I was going through it because I thought it was, you know, I wasn't willing to accept 100% responsibility. But by the end, I was. I got what I deserved and I used what I, what I learned through the process to make me a better person and a better leader, better business person. And fortunately, you know, our company had nothing to do with what was happening uh, to me personally. And, you know, that turned out to be a godsend because, you know, if we were able to draw distinct lines. And so, if, yeah, what I learned from the experience, I think made us all better. And we, you know, survived and thrived as a result of that, partially as a result of that learning experience. That's a great topic though, because I think it comes up for all businesses, but I think it's even harder in some ways for small businesses because we're all fighting and trying to succeed. And these areas pop up in our business that call them gray, if you will. But to your point, sometimes I think they're a lot more black or white than we like to face. What would you say to the typical business owner when those kind of gray areas come up? Like, do you feel, do you think pushing the envelope sometimes is a good thing? Do you think this is on a case by case? I mean, I'd love to know what are your thoughts now having you know, frankly, maybe yeah. push the envelope too much and kind of get in your hand slapped for lack of better words. I'm sure it was more than that. Yeah. Well, I, I described something in the book that I think is constructive in these types of things. And it's not, it's probably not a new thought, but I'll share it with you anyway. So the CEO of the company that I was fired from sort of 
at a management meeting that I was at with a bunch of other people, he said, look, this is what I use to basically guide my life. You know, If what you're going to do or what you're going to consider is something that you would not be proud to have on a billboard that your mother would read when she went past the billboard, don't do it. And I certainly did not or would not have wanted my mother to read about what I was doing. But you know, when he said it, I didn't get it. Like I thought, oh, he's talking to somebody else, right? So I would say to people, there's a lot of challenges in business and there's a lot of ways to to take shortcuts. There are a lot of ways to excuse behavior that you wouldn't do in your personal life. Like you wouldn't do it at home, but at work, eh, maybe. And it's not hard to talk people into doing the wrong thing. So I go back to the billboard, you know, just if it's got you wondering whether you want that up there being read by your mom or your dad or whoever is the most important person to you, then think of a different way to do it. Because whatever you think you're, you're risking, you're probably not. You're gaining something by, as a result of you know, thinking about it with that lens. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Now, we've mentioned your book a couple of times. I haven't mentioned the title yet. It's titled Ownership. Can you talk a little bit about it? Like, what were your goals for the book? What do you hope readers take from that book in terms of learning or, or the experience of reading it? Sure, thank you. Yeah, so the subtitle to the book is How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck. And I think it's important. I don't know why books have to have subtitles, but I think <laughs> it's important in this case to explain my particular uh, bent on it. So I break the entrepreneurial journey down into four stages that I think are typical based on my experience. And those are the dream stage, the grind stage, the break stage, and the breakthrough stage. And I've come to believe that all entrepreneurs have a responsibility to themselves to go as big as they can go. And when I say big as they can go, I don't mean just financially big. Because you know, money is one part of it. It's not all parts of it. But going big from a capability standpoint, maximizing the capability that you have, that your team has, and that your business has, I feel like that is the job of the entrepreneur or the leader. So that's number one. And I do that by taking people through my particular journey because everyone has a story, of course, and it's different than mine. But I feel like you know, if you, you can parallel your own stories to mine and walk your way through the book with your own personal sort of uh, perspective, just, you know, going, just using my stories as, as instructive. So that's the first thing is the big thing. The second thing is the break thing. I feel like too many entrepreneurs don't go big because something bad happens to them or something bad happens to the business or a series of things happen. And they begin to lose energy. They begin to lose focus and they begin to not have any goals that are bigger than the ones that they've already accomplished. And when they get in that situation, I feel like they fall into this thing I call the valley of uncertainty, which is where I was after, after Butch you know, died in a fire, which we can talk about if you'd like. One, one I, want is, I want people to know, it's okay if you end up there. It's not okay if you stay there. So a lot of entrepreneurs, I think when they get there, it's just a very challenging situation. They're stuck. They don't know what to do. Everything that they've done that's worked for them is no longer working for them. Everything that they liked doing, they probably aren't doing much of anymore because they've sort of taken on all of these different things. And, and there's a lot of thinking at that point that get that I that to me is small thinking. You know, I gotta, I gotta get smaller. This is, you know, or I gotta quit. I gotta do something else. I, you know, all of these different things. And I 
I want people to know that, okay, yeah, it's natural to be there, but you can break through too. Because if you designed a system, and I believe this wholeheartedly, if you designed a system to get you where you are, which by the way, is exactly what you did, then you are capable to design a system to get you where you want to be. So let's just accept that as being a possibility. And once you've accepted that as being a possibility, breaking through becomes a lot less daunting. In fact, it becomes energizing because you want to get out there anyway. So that's what I'm trying to do. You know, Go big and break through. That's what I'm trying to encourage entrepreneurs to do. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. That's what I'm trying to do. You know, go big and break through. That's what I'm trying to encourage entrepreneurs to do. Yeah. There's so much to unpack there. So I'm going to step back. Let's talk about partnerships. Because yeah. oftentimes, I agree with you, entrepreneurs, business owners, they get stuck. They're kind of on, the, on an island by themselves. Partnership kind of gives you, to some degree, takes that away to some degree. What's your thoughts on partnerships? And are you a big fan of them? Do you think they fit in certain situations? Yeah. So I think, I think partnerships can be phenomenal. I think partnerships can be horrible. I had partners in both of my businesses, first and second. And so it all depends. If you have partners that are financial partners that you need for advisory help, and that's the role that they want to play, that can be a fantastic relationship. And I had that in both of my businesses. If you want a partner who is a complement to you and is very, you know, the two of you or the three of you or the four of you are able to you know divide and conquer can be wonderful but it's very very tricky to manage a partnership well and so the thing that drives me nuts about partnerships i will say is you know we're 50-50 partners right 50-50 partners is probably it sounds so great at the beginning and it sounds and sometimes it works i'm so i'm not but most of the time in my experience you get to a point in your 50-50 partnership where someone thinks that they're 60 and you're 40 and they are mad about that. And the other person thinks they're 60 and you're 40 and they're mad about that. And then you start really competing with one another for things that aren't helpful for either of you or for the business. So I just think it's really tricky. I, my personal opinion is someone has to be in charge in a partnership. And if it just makes you feel better to be 50 50 or 25 25 25 25 or 33 33 33, I think you're setting yourself up for um, potential problems because that's a hard thing for people to do for a long period of time. Yeah, that point of that 50 50 and getting to a point where you're kind of keeping score is one of the things I see a lot of times in partnerships is, you know, things in your personal life happen, maybe a divorce or things that pull right. 50% of the partnership in a different direction. And it just causes this friction. It's really cool to see in your situation though, for the most part, it sounds like you had pretty good situations that 
allowed you to anchor in some ways, I'd almost say, as you got through the stages. And and then Butch passed away, uh, from what I recall from the book. How did that change your mindset when that all happened? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that happened in um, October of 2003. And so we had been in business for just about 10 years at that point, maybe a little over 10 years. And, you know, we had, we had gone through, as I sort of mentioned earlier, we had, we were probably a 10 million, $12 million company at that point. So we were doing fine from a, you know, a growth standpoint, but we had, you know, we had had lots of things, including the, the situation that I described, you know, with the FBI and stuff that we had to go through. So I was already, I was way into that grind stage that I talk about in the, in the book already. And you know, everything. So I kind of say that, you know, even though our business had grown a lot from nothing, right? A lot, 10 years in or so, I was still treating it like it was an infant, like it needed me for all of its needs, its care and custody, you know, change it, you know, feed it, all that stuff. And, and that was really important to me and important for the business at the, at the beginning, Tyler. But, you know, it had kind of it didn't need that anymore, but I didn't see that it didn't need that anymore. And so, but I was also being frustrated by the fact that it needed it all that time. So when I talk about this perfect system that you design, that's what I had done. And when Butch died, I was I dropped off, I dropped off a cliff into this valley because I thought to myself, you know, he was the operating partner with me and we were super complimentary and we were, he gave me a lot of confidence. And with when he died, I just didn't know what to do. And I wallowed around in there for a while doing all the things that you do when you don't accept responsibility for where you are. You know, I was, who can I blame for this? You know, whose fault is this? Who's going to help me out of this? Who's going to show me the way? Just all of those things. And in the meantime, I was sort of getting comfortable there because I was like, well, you know, nobody's telling me I have to do anything. So maybe I, you know, just your head, head trash, right? So, yeah. so ultimately, a couple things were really impactful for me in terms of my mindset. Thinking one was that realization that you know I had designed the system to put me there, so it worked perfectly. And if I can do that so well, I can certainly design a system that gets me out of there. And then I heard this fellow named Dan Sullivan, who's uh, runs um, well, he's the founder or co-founder. How he goes back and forth on that, but of the Strategic Coach, which is an entrepreneurial training program that's very very good. I was in it for six or seven years. I think every entrepreneur that qualifies should be in it. But I was listening to a CD of Dan's and he... CD. See, I just dated myself. Uh-huh. I was listening to a CD of Dan's in, in my car. And he was, you know, he was taking us through this story about a high school graduation, maybe his 50th high school graduation anniversary. And he said something during that, that discussion. He said five words. He said, my future is my property. And when I heard him say, my future is my property, I nearly you know, drove off the road because it was one of those things where I was like, what? Because I had forgotten that my future was my property. I thought my future was going to be the byproduct of all the other things that are going to happen to me that I can't control. And he said, no, you can own your future because it's your property. You just have to know what it is and then you have to be willing to pay for it. And those two things, you know, the acceptance of this perfectly designed system and my future is my property just helped me a ton to get my head straight and start doing the job that I was supposed to be doing, Tyler. Yeah. I love reading from your book how you had self-awareness 
initially it seemed like you fought it in terms of finding better ways to do things, but it seemed like you stuck with it. And I think that's the biggest part sometimes is just sticking with things until you had that epiphany where it said, wow, this makes sense and it's coming together. Yeah. You know, another thing that stood out to me, you talk about, you have a whole list of things that you kind of learned along the way. And one of the things that really resonated with me is you say the score isn't the only thing that's important. I kept score of everything. Can you talk about that? Like how that change happened for you? Well, I think it's something that, you know, for me, it was something that happened as a result of staying in the grind stage for so long. So while I was grinding, I thought, yeah, well, first of all, I was sort of brought up that you either win or you lose. Right. Right. And, and I believe that. And I still believe a little bit of that because it is important to win. But I, you know, I wanted to win everything. Right. And I wanted to be the person that could do everything. And I wanted to be the person that could handle everything well. I should put that there too. Well, and it would bug the crap out of me to be around people who would say, and we lost that deal. He's like, there's plenty of stuff out here for us. Don't worry about it. We'll get it. I said, because mm. I was thinking, why'd we lose it? Right. You know, that's like, we lost. That's the right. thing. We lost. Right. Right. But um, I think that's loser thinking now. I thought it was smart thinking, winner thinking before. I think it's loser thinking now because it's really about education. So to me, so every, every time we don't win, we get better to win the next time. That's how I, that's as, as a leader, how I should be. Okay. So if we, if we lose, it's not because it's not personal. You know, I was taking it personally. It's not personal. It's just, you know, we didn't check all the boxes. So we go back and we learn, you know, how do we check all the boxes? And that goes for, you know, whether it's a deal, whether it's, you know, an, a person you want on your team that you can't get, whether it's whatever. So I just feel like there are a lot of things that held me back. Where I think I would be much further along in life and more successful had I done had I recognized it sooner? And that is definitely one of the things. But that, don't you think that's part of the journey too, though? Because I think as business owners, a lot of times you, you said something really interesting. You said it's not personal, but even within like my own client base, and, and even I can say this with myself early on in my journey, those, those lines are gray when it's like your business, it is kind of personal in a way when you lose a deal or when, you know, someone in your staff that makes it sound as if being second best is okay. So it, it has this feeling where you, you almost have to learn to separate those two where it's yeah. not personal. And it sounds like what I hear from you and how you just worded it is like you went from being a business owner to being a leader. Would you say that's kind of true in terms of that development? I would. And you just reminded me of, a. so I talk about these four fallacies and one of the fallacies revolved around responsible versus responsibility. And I internalized everything as if I was responsible for it, like directly responsible for it and that it was personal. And I needed to shift my thinking to away from being responsible because it's hard to get away from that as a business owner or entrepreneur, really hard to get away from that. But I shifted to, I have the responsibility for, that was my, what my thinking was, is instead of I'm responsible for it. So for example, when we lose something, it's not personal to me, right? It's not, it's not like I lost this and that makes me a bad person, but I have responsibility for the loss. You know, we lost it. So what do we do? And that's the shift in thinking from responsible to responsibility helped me a ton. Yeah, that's a good one. What are the four fallacies, if you don't mind sharing them? 
Yeah. So the one was that I can handle anything. So that's sort of the rugged individualist um, uh, fallacy. The second was that I was responsible as opposed to I had responsibility for. The third one was that I wasn't thinking about my future at all, right? I was just thinking that, that I didn't certainly couldn't imagine that I could own my future. Like I thought I was just in the wind, you know, future would be whatever happened because of other things, you know? And then the fourth one was isolation. I spent a lot of time being very, very close to my business. And in fact, you know, sort of putting walls up around my business when, and trying to figure everything out, you know, getting back to the handle everything. So I put these walls around me that made me sort of the hero. And it really kept me from doing what I was supposed to be doing or getting the help that I needed. You know, you you learn all you can learn from the people around you fairly quickly. And I don't say that to disparage anybody. It's true about me or anyone else. And so if that's sort of my, you know, the kingdom that I want to claim, well, man, oh man, am I leaving a lot on the sidelines, right? From all the other stuff I can get. And I was, I, it took me a long time to figure, to figure that out and accept it and then do something about it. Very cool. I want to shift gears. So you've got a book now. What was it like to write a book? I mean, for those of us, myself included, that are aspiring authors someday, what was that process like? Can you give us some words of wisdom? Yeah, I can. It was, um, for me, it was a very long process of wanting to write a book, which sounds like where you are, versus actually writing a book, which was not that long of a process. Sort of like the change in responsible to responsibility. You have to shift your thinking, right? So for a decade or so, I had been saying, yeah, I want to write a book. And I'd been doing some writing and I'd been, I did a lot of writing and I put it, you know, in a drawer and, or, um, you know, saved it in a file and, and, uh, it never worked at all on making it into a book. So it was a goalless goal, you know? And then after I sold the first business, I said, well, okay, this is something that has been on my goal list. I need to make progress to it. And the reality was I couldn't do it on my own. So I needed to to work with someone who could help me. And I found a company called Scribe Media that has a process that they help authors go through to write a book. And I took their course and joined that process. They gave me everything that I didn't have they didn't give me any of the words. They didn't give me any of the writing, but they gave me the organization, the structure, the process, the support, all of those things. And I needed those to get going. And so when I started, it took me a year to write the book. And that included several shifts in the book that I ended up writing from what the book I thought I was going to write at the beginning. But it was easy to do because I followed their system. And anybody that knows me, you know, when it comes to business or anything else, I'm, I wasn't for a long time, but I am very, very adamant about systems and process in a business. And they provided me the systems and process I needed to write the book. So it was hard. Yeah. I mean, it took a year and that was pretty much every day doing something, but it was very manageable, 250 words or 500 words. It wasn't, you know, it was something anyone can do, basically. You know, a couple paragraphs is something anyone can do. And then, um, yeah, they, I mean, they helped organize it and edit it and do all of those things. So that's what I needed. I just put a podcast out today, in fact, about the five things I learned while writing my book. So, you know, if people want to go there, 
to the How Did It Happen podcast and listen to today's episode, you'll get a little more about what I learned going through it and what might be helpful to you if you're, and I think you should be, one of those people who wants to write a book. Yeah. So let's, since you brought up your podcast, because I wanted to talk about that too. So you've done 200 and something shows. I mean, that's mm-hmm. an incredible amount of shows. I aspire to even get close to you someday being 22 shows in. Yeah. So what what's the theme of your show? What, from being a guest as opposed to being a host, I'd also love to know your thoughts. Which side do you like better? I get, sometimes people say to me, hey, it's great you're a host and everything, but you're not really displaying any of your own capabilities by doing it. But I still love to, talk with really interesting people like you that have these incredible journeys that we can learn from and get better at. So even though I know it doesn't position me as what I tell people, I don't really care. I just enjoy the conversation. So what right, are your thoughts? Right, right. Well, I have a couple thoughts on that. So first of all, I wouldn't discount that it's positioning you because Fair. you have the opportunity to interact with a guest with your own experiences. So when you're doing that, you are providing value to the conversation and you are demonstrating you know, the value that you bring and, you know, through your own work or your own life experiences. So that's, I think, where I would start with that. And then I would say, well, my podcast is about inspiring and activating greatness in other people. So I bring on, you know, people that most people would look at and say that they are extremely successful. And I try to dig deep into, you know, what is the reason for that success? And when you do that, you typically find that they're not that much different than most people. Something happened to them along the way, or they did something along the way that you know became a game changer, and they may not have known, even known it. So when I have people listening to it, whether you're already successful or whether you want to be more successful than you are, my target audience is people who who are willing to take something and move with it. Take something they hear and move with it. So that's when I. That's what I mean by inspire, but activate is more important, the greatness in people that are listening. So I have great conversations with people just like just like you're doing. And I just dig deep because I don't want to tell the stories that they you know, are conditioned to tell about themselves. And I don't want to force them to tell anything they don't want to. But once we get into it, people are so willing to tell you, tell you, you know, what they believe has made them where who they are and it's free. You can pick, you know, you get it for free and it's up to you to, to you know to do something with it. Now in terms of being the host or the guest, I enjoy both of them. I'm a lot better guest I think because I've been a host for well, sorry, I don't want to toot my own horn there, but <laughs> I'm a lot better guest I think because I've done a lot of this and I know what a good guest, you know, sounds like, feels like, looks like and contributes. Fortunately, most people are good guests because yeah. they have something important to share. And if you can get into it, like you're, you're good. So if you can get into it, you're going to deliver your listeners something that that they really want. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm always amazed at people that come onto the show. They just have so much to share. They have, to your point, like there's just something deep there a lot of times that they're just so open to sharing with you that make that's what makes these so fun is you get to hear their journey and their perspective. I'd love to switch over to books. You obviously have a great book. What is something you've either enjoyed reading or that you're currently reading that you can share with us? Well, you know, one of my favorite books and I one that I think changed my life and my mindset is um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's a great one. I have that book back here because I want to show people it all the time. And it's all marked up and 
it's just, and it's an old book for, you know, for people who aren't familiar with it, the book was written in the 1930s. So you think, oh, 1930s, almost a hundred <laughs> years old, you know, but your mind hasn't changed in a hundred years. I can, I can tell you that and from a developmental standpoint and from a ability to harness it standpoint and Napoleon Hill, I think does a phenomenal job doing that. And he, you know, just from, you know, your mind is a computer, your ability to compartmentalize stuff, how you feed your subconscious mind, you know, just, there's just great stuff in there that people who make it have and people who don't may not. So read the book. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's great. That's a timeless one for sure. Can you, as we wrap up here, can you leave, give us a, a life tip or a business tip that we can apply, make our lives better? Yeah. So this, this is, I'm going to, this is stolen from strategic coach as well, but I think it's, it's wonderful advice that is simple, but too often overlooked. Show up on time, do what you say, finish what you start, say please. And thank you. Do those four things. You will build a culture. You will build a team. You will build trust. You will build success. Those are simple things that, but just Walk around today and see, you know, who you interact with and see if you can say those things about those people, that they always do those four things. You always do those four things. You are going to be special. Yeah. All four are powerful. I think the do do what you say you're going to do. That's one, fortunately, someone said to me very early on. And it's funny how things just stick with you. Like they just, you know, when you give a commitment to a client or to a friend or a family member, you just got that echo in your mind going, you got to deliver. You just said you were going to give it to them tomorrow. That's, that's who you are. That's, you know. Yeah. 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 And if you don't, if you don't, or you can't, for some reason, tell me before it's due, right? Tell me before what you said was going to happen doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great one. So, Hey, your podcast howditthappen.com. So guys, there's a D in there. Howditthappen.com. So howditthappen.com. I hope I'm saying that clearly. Anywhere else you'd like, and I'll put this into the show notes too. Anywhere else you'd like people to reach out or connect with anywhere? Sure, sure. Well, well, of course you can get the podcast on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platforms and type it in there and it'll come up. Subscribe, you know, give me a rating if you you, uh, like it. Even if you don't like it, give me a rating, give me some feedback. And then you can go to my website, which is Mike Malatesta. That's M-A-L-A-T-E-S-T-A.com. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn at Mike Malatesta as well. Great, Mike. Well, hey, thanks so much. I mean, hopefully I can have you on again in the future. Maybe it's when you're selling your third business um, <laughs> or something along your journey. I'm sure there'll be something. So thanks so much for your time. Yeah, this has been fun. Thanks for having me, Tyler. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business.
Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Electric Acid.